Hi, and welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. This is Dr. Sadaf Lodi, and I would love for you to leave me a review of this podcast and also to share and like it and share it with your friends, see what they think and let me know. I would love to shout you out on social media. And also, I would love for you to follow me on Instagram at Dr. Sadaf OBGYN, as well as TikTok. I also have started a YouTube channel at Dr. Sadaf Intimacy Coach. I'd love for you to follow me on all of those channels. And most importantly, I'd love for you to become a patient. I am now accepting telehealth patients for sexual health as well as menopause health in New York and Michigan. So if you are a woman that is looking for a doctor that understands you and can actually take the time to listen to all of your concerns, reach out to me. Reach out at drsadaf at drsadaf.com. And I would love to see you as a patient. And now for the episode. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Salaf Lodi, and this episode is everything you need to know about rekindling the passion and romance in your long-term relationship. Before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any type of medical advice. So if you have any issues with your health, please speak with your healthcare provider and get the help that you need. And I am definitely not giving any type of religious advice. So if you need or have any questions about your religion, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious leader. And this is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I just happen to be a Muslim woman that talks about sex. So I am super, super excited and happy. And I was totally looking forward to this interview with the host of the Sexology Podcast. This is Dr. Nazneen Mowali. Am I saying that right? Yes. Or no, you said it perfectly. Okay, great. And so I would love for you to introduce yourself to all the listeners and viewers out there and let them know what you do. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I, I was so looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist licensed in the state of California. Um, I have additional training on sex therapy through ASACT, and I have uh, a private practice in Los Angeles. And also uh, I have two podcasts, one in English that I've been uh airing for seven years. And it's about science of sex and pleasure. And I also have a Farsi show that I've been also running for uh, five years now. And it's just that one is mostly sex education. So and people can check it out in all the platforms that they check out the podcast. I love it. Oh my gosh. So you are the first person that I've had on the podcast that actually has two podcasts in two different languages. How amazing. Wow. That's, that is really fantastic. And I'm so happy that you are serving so many people in so many different ways. So that is amazing. Um, what I'd love, love, love to get into is you talk about so many things. You are on Instagram and you are like on fire on Instagram. I mean, you are, you know, talking about so many things. You talk about erectile dysfunction. You talk about ways to rekindle your romance in a long-term relationship. You talk about including um, different uh, sex toys and different ways to increase pleasure in your relationships. So I'd love for us to get into all 
all of that. So uh, maybe you could start off by, you know, just telling us, and you've been featured in like Cosmo magazine and so many magazines. So you're like a real superstar here. But, um, you know, I'd love to hear all, you know, your take on how to increase the intimacy and passion and romance in long-term relationships. Thank you for all the kind words that, that you uh, mentioned. And I also wanted to say for our listeners that it's, I'm in a long-term marriage and I know it's hard when you are in a long-term relationship to prioritize sex, right? That many people start from the place of passion and excitement with their partner. But as life happens due to kind of like childbearing, parenting, busy work schedule, sex becomes less and less of a priority. And unfortunately, many, many people uh, are disconnected sexually with their partner. And it doesn't happen overnight, but it can happen over several years. And there's never a wrong time to rekindle passion. I think it's really, really important if that is something that uh, you value in your life and relationship to work on it because it's your pleasure worth it and your relationship worth the effort. Um, as, as I mentioned, it's very common for people to be unfortunately in a sexless relationship that uh, research shows that 20% of uh, couples in America are in sexless relationship, which meaning that having less than once a month sexual connection with the partner. And and uh, one thing that is important for people to keep in mind is that uh, when we talk about sex, sex could be so many different things. Whatever that you and your partner decides, that can be part of the sexual connections that uh, you guys can experience. But without prioritizing it, without making sure you have open communication, recurring application, uh, communication about it, uh, it's hard for people to maintain that passion. Yeah. Absolutely. What I love is that you said that it's never too late. And I say that all the time as well. I just think that, you know, oftentimes we get into these ruts and we have this mindset that, well, you know, this is the way things are now. It's never going to improve. You know, I'm too old. It doesn't matter anymore. You know, and so many women that I actually see in the office, you'll be surprised that even in their 50s and they're so young and they'll tell me like, I'll ask them, you know, are you still sexually active? And they'll be like, oh, gosh, I haven't had sex in years years, you know, or that it's just not important in my relationship anymore, or that I'm menopausal. And you know, that part of my life is done. And I'm really surprised that so many women feel like that, you know? Absolutely. And I think it's something that unfortunately, uh, wasn't taught to women that you deserve pleasure your pleasure is important and what happens is that oftentimes people find that the connection that they have with the partner the sexual connection is no longer exciting which we can definitely talk about how to make it exciting but they also don't want to disappoint their partner so when we're not excited about certain kind of behavior so of course we wouldn't prioritize it when we're tired and exhausted and have other things on our uh, kind of like a less of to-do list. Uh, but if we make it a priority and making it exciting, I think that can make a huge difference for couples connection. And I wanted to talk about how sexual intimacy is a type of intimacy, right? So we have emotional intimacy, sexual intimacy, physical intimacy. So there are different layers of intimacy. So it's really important to have a conversation about, uh, 
your your type of intimacy with partners because you're absolutely right that at times I get people in my office and they say, oh, we are no longer interested or we don't have sexual intimacy and they assume that's okay, but it's really impacting their relationship. So it's, it's really uh, important to have those conversations with our partners, even if we decide that this is something that we don't want to invest in. Yes, you are so right. And I think what people also forget is that, or do, probably just don't even realize, you know, because I didn't realize this uh, until I went through this whole course um, with the University of Michigan. And it was um, that, you know, sexual response, you know, we know, we learn, or at least what we see on TV, right, is that it's spontaneous, it should just happen. And, you know, there's like, fireworks everywhere and you know, everything's wonderful. And what we don't realize is that, you know, a lot of times sexual response is responsive, right? So you, you get into them, you set the mood, you know, there's foreplay and all this other stuff that happens and slowly you get, you know, the arousal and then the desire comes after, and that is all normal. And I think what happens is that because we don't learn that and what we see in TV and media is that it's supposed to be spontaneous, that people think that if it's not spontaneous, that there's something wrong with them and that perhaps they're not interested or, you know, there's something wrong with their body and things aren't spontaneous. You're absolutely right that many people, they don't know about responsive desire and they feel defective, right? They kind of see these uh, images and whether it's like a romantic uh, movies or it's even on the kind of porn side that they think about, okay, the partner getting uh uh, sexually activated very quickly with minimal foreplay and both partner have this mind-blowing orgasms together and that's not the reality of life for majority of couples as you mentioned that it's important to create this space to experience desire to cultivate desire and invest on building psychological arousal and physiological arousal and and that can help with the quality of experience you have with your partner so uh, I often hear from women that they feel defective because they're not able to experience orgasm through vaginal penetration or they feel like their desire is not strong enough or they feel like in the long-term relationship that they are there are no longer interested in sex but for all of these there are tons of great solutions out there Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So I'd love to that that was a perfect segue into getting into the meat of our conversation, which is how to rekindle the romance and the spice in long term relationships. So I'm excited to hear what you have. When I have people in in my office, when they're struggling with sexual connection, whether they are in sexless relationship or they they have a desire discrepancy, the first thing I invite people to do is talk about what is the meaning of sex for us, for each person and for the couple. Is it about connection? Is it about adventure? Is it about sensuality? Could be a number of different reasons for people to want to have sex. And that's okay that if people's uh, meaning is different. People like there was this wonderful study that talked about there are more than 200 different motivation for people to have sex. So it's really mm -hmm. important to talk about it first with your partner about why we would want to have sex. Like what are each of our um, meaning of sex is and what's our shared meaning? Because that can be very, very helpful. And then 
kind of schedule things in your calendar to get uh, to prioritize sex. So I know that some, when I talk about scheduling sex, people kind of roll their eyes and they say, you know, like it's not sexy to schedule sex, but trust me, it's not sexy not to have sex. So scheduling it helps with creating, cultivating that erotic connect, connection. One thing that I often recommend for people that uh, that they, even if they are uh, sexually connected or not, have this sexy, happy hours with their partner and the calendar. So it's like it could be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or half an hour of a dedicated time, monthly or could be weekly, that you are something that you feel sexy in it and you kind of create a sexy environment. And this is a time that we're talking about our uh sexual desires, wants, fantasies. So uh, it's just a time for uh, f- k- k- investing on erotic bank of the relationship. We're not engaging in any sexual uh, acts during that time. It's just kind of a space for sexual communication and also a safe space to talk about our wants and needs and the things we want differently. Because if we only talk about sex with our partner when things are not going well, then of course that there wouldn't be a willingness to create that space. I love that. I love the uh, sexy time. Um, was a happy hour. Happy. <laughs> I've never heard of that. I, I, I love that. I mean, that's so, you know, that makes me think of you know, that it can be done at any time, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I I always talk to patients also and clients about scheduling in mm-hmm. sex. And I agree with you 100%, right? That it, unless, unless it makes it onto the calendar, <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> so I think it's so important to schedule those date nights with your partner and schedule the time because then that shows that you're making your partner a priority, right? Because everything that's important goes on your calendar. So if you put time in with your partner that shows them and yourself that they are an important part of your life. But I like the happy hours because I feel like, you know, you can kind of splash those in, right? It doesn't have to be like a full date night or anything like that, but it can be a small little moments that bring you together and create that emotional intimacy that eventually leads to sexual intimacy. So I think that's fantastic. Well, I'm glad that you like this idea, and I think it can help people to have open communication about uh, what their wants and desires and their needs. And I think other thing that's important for people to think about, uh, as far as if you want to kind of like have scheduled time to be intimate with your partner, if you want to have sex, it's really helpful if you expand your menu of sexual activities. Because sometimes mm-hmm. when you're exhausted, maybe you're not in the mood to have intercourse, but there's so many different ways that you can uh, have erotic connection with your partner, whether it's erotic massage or uh, sensual kind of kissing, or it could be uh, hand simulation, toy simulation, there's a galaxy of options. So if we know what is the meaning of sex for us, then that helps us to guide our activity in that direction. Another thing I recommend people to do when they have uh, ongoing good sexual connection to make sure that you are adding some element of novelty, because especially for women, Mm -hmm. that's so important. Um, There's so many research that talks about for 
uh, cisgender women, uh, context matters, right? So uh, I'm going to talk about like a more of a stereotypical way, but the uh, cisgender men that I see my in my practice, like when as long as they see visual, visually erotic material, whether it's their partner's body and and kind of like the act, they can feel aroused. But for many women, it's important that they have a, a context that's sexy for them. So context could be the emotion for you, or it could be the setting of the room, or it could be even the conversation before. Uh, one of the important things that's, uh, that I think it's a benefit of a scheduling sex is that it gives us a space to pivot from everyday life to our uh, sexual connection. Because sometimes people come into my office and they say that it's really hard uh, for me to quiet down my mind when I want to have sex, right? So it helps us an opportunity to kind of know that this is coming up. So maybe we can do a mindfulness exercises. Maybe we can do a breathing exercise that helps us to get grounded and be ready to connect with our partners. Mm, yes, absolutely. I love that. And definitely you and I both know that there's tons of research that shows that increasing mindfulness in our relationships actually increases arousal and desire. And they've done lots of research on that on women. Um, and whether it's group or, you know, solo that practicing mindfulness definitely does increase the satisfaction in their relationship and um, is really important for a relationship. Also, something that uh, I read was that the female satisfaction survey, sexual satisfaction survey. And they said that the number one thing that improved sexual satisfaction in women, and actually, I think it was a study based out of Iran, uh, was communication. Mm -hmm. Exactly what you talk about is creating that safe space for you and your partner to have discussions about you know, how's it going in your relationship, what you like, what you don't like, what your desires are, what your fantasies are, and what may help you to have a more fulfilling sexual intimacy with your partner. I agree with you. And I think it's a, on those sexy happy hour time, hopefully the idea is to introduce our erotic self to our partner with low pressure, right? So you can talk about your fantasies. It can be exciting to talk about them without the pressure of this is something we have to do. Right. So this is, I'm just introducing that part of myself to you. So you, in, sometimes when we, uh, discover the facets of our partners that we're not familiar with on its own, that can be erotically charged. Yeah, no, I think it's fantastic. You know, I'm wondering though what you suggest and what you would offer to a couple, let's say a couple where one, uh, person in that relationship is more, let's say, sex positive or has grown up, you know, perhaps they were really sex negative and then they changed over to being more sex positive, but their partner is still kind of stuck with being very sex negative or not even maybe even negative, but just more, you know, um, embarrassed or not as, um, I guess, fully accepting or you know, really honoring themselves in terms of their sexuality. So they're really just conservative or quiet and they are very timid, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, you know, really shy about discussing it with their partner. And so they're not really engaging in a fruitful conversation with their partner. Anything that you would suggest for that couple? So one, you know, one side of the relationship is, or, you know, the person is very outgoing and is expressive and tells them what their fantasies are. And the other person is very shy and timid and feels really hesitant. 
as you as you mentioned, that's so common. I see it also in my practice as well. Yeah. I think there needs yeah. to be a, some level of willingness, right? We cannot change people if they are not open to changing. But as you said, that there's so many people that feel conflicted. They like the idea of having passionate connection, but it's hard for them to uh, access that part of themselves. I know many people are like grow up with this idea of uh, sex is something that you do in a long term relationship. And uh, mm-hmm. they were grown up with this idea of sex is negative and shameful. Yeah. So the uh, first thing I recommend people to do if they are interested themselves on kind of exploring their sexual self is starting from the educational material that resonates with you, like this podcast, kind of seeing women similar to you talking about things that uh, helps you to kind of get curious about it. I think the first step is kind of curiosity and kind of gathering information, right? Gathering information about your body, about getting curious about kind of like what, what does it mean for you to to experience arousal. So it's a self, uh, kind of would say like with self journey, that kind of self exploration can be, can be important. Uh, one of my clients that's just so, I, I really like that idea. She was from very conservative background. She started a mini book club with her family members and they talked about sex positive books or even uh, kind of sexual education material. So it was a group of women, they were discussing it. And it's something very powerful when you share and discuss these things with other women and hear their stories and see what's what they're struggling with. So I think that would be another option. Another thing that I recommend people to do are to kind of like taking online courses or kind of self-paced courses, right? That they can help you to kind of learn more education, more information about these things uh, without feeling the pressure of how you have to do anything with this information. Um, also, this is something I share with many of my especially cisgender uh, female clients. Uh, that there are kind of feeling like sexually kind of like not connected with their erotic self is to it's sexual with the idea of simmering we call it simmering in sex therapy is that in mm. order for you to be able to access your erotic self it's important to plant sexy seed in your erotic garden and sexy seed could be like you reading romantic novels something that resonates with you or watching something that resonates with you or listening in the privacy of home erotica uh uh, kind of erotica. So that can help you to uh, practice that muscle. And I think that's also very important. Wow, that's fantastic. You know, I think that everything you said is so great. Um, I think something else that I see is that people don't often give themselves permission, right? Exactly what you were talking about is that, you know, they grow up with thinking that sex is wrong, it's dirty, it's um, shameful, it's, they feel guilty, and they, you know, something that they shouldn't talk about or even think about. And then when you have those negative thoughts, then you're not going to want to look into it or discover it or learn more about it, or, you know, even learn the anatomy. I, th- I often find as a gynecologist, that, you know, patients, women, cisgender women or women in general, do not know their bodies at all. 
you know, they'll be surprised to find out that they have three holes, you know, in their vulva region, that they um, don't actually deliver a baby through the same hole that they urinate with, right? So I think that, and even though to some people that may seem basic to others, it's they just have no idea. They don't know those things and they were never taught that in anatomy. And I think that that, you know, leads to a bigger problem of, or actually stems from a bigger problem of the lack of sex education in this country, but that's another conversation. But I mean, I really think that, you know, oftentimes women just don't give themselves the permission. So once they find out that it's okay and that there's nothing wrong with them to learn about themselves or to learn about their anatomy and the functions of their anatomy, then that I think broadens their horizon and they're able to look into these things without judgment. And also I think that, um, you know, of course this is called the Muslim Sex Podcast and specifically speaking toward Muslims, I think that um, some Muslims don't know that Islam is a very sex positive religion, right? We didn't, uh, if you didn't grow up with that, or if you were raised in a community that uh, was very conservative and didn't believe in that, or, you know, didn't really extend that knowledge to you, um, then you don't know until you look up on your own and you research and you find out that, oh my gosh, you know, my culture, my religion really allows this and there's nothing wrong with it. So I think that's just as a side note, but I think it is something that's important. Absolutely. And I thought, I think you brought up as such an important point of giving yourself permission to experience uh, pleasure and also think about it as, as something that you deserve. Right, like all of us, is part of human rights is uh, our right to experience pleasure, and I think that uh, it doesn't need to be this kind of fancy, crazy thing you do in the bedroom. As we talked about, it could start with kind of a bring an element of mindfulness, getting curious yeah. about your body, as you mentioned. Even when you're putting in a uh, uh, lotion, what does it feel like to touch my body? So, kind of building this sec- uh, sensory awareness could be a great place to start uh, to get to know yourself and it's so important for women to know their bodies i know sometimes people when they are with the partner they say like do whatever you think like or if you know me uh you know what works for for me but our bodies are evolving and changing it's a language that's really important for you to master first so you can communicate it with your partner right absolutely and i think that it's you know, um, oftentimes women will find that sex is a chore, right? And so anytime we think that anything is a chore, it's not going to be fun. So I think that taking that out of your mentality and thinking that it's not a chore, but instead something that you are excited about, something that you want to learn more about, something that you're curious about, I think just really changes the way that you look at things. And as you were talking, I was reading and (laughs) I binge on your uh, Instagram because I think it's so fantastic. But, um, you know, you also talk about cognitive behavioral therapy. And I know a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy is about, you know, really looking at your thoughts and assessing that whether or not they're serving you and how are they coming about and there's so many things that happen to us and we we just think that our thoughts happen to us and that we don't have any control over them and i think one of the most empowering things that i ever learned was that you know we control our thoughts 
that we we really can control our thoughts. And so I know that you know when we have our thoughts, they elicit certain feelings, and then those feelings elicit elicit certain behaviors. So if we're able to go to the root cause, where in medicine we always try to go to the root cause of the disease or whatever the problem is, but here we're talking about the root cause of what our thoughts are and where this shame or guilt comes from. If we go to that, and then we change that to a more positive thought, and that'll elicit a more positive feeling, which will then elicit a more positive action. And that action can be, you know, just getting more curious or becoming more intimate with your partner or getting excited about having a date night or a happy hour where you weren't before because you just thought that it was wrong. Exactly. So when we're growing up, we develop this thing we call core belief, right? Kind of this idea of who am I and what are the relationship. And for many people, because of the elements we talked about, the factors we talked about, people have this kind of idea of I'm defective or good girls, they don't like sex or sex is something that uh, it's always need to initiate with as a, as a, we demand. So there's so many different core beliefs that we could have. Mm-hmm. And those core beliefs, they kind of add uh, triggers our everyday automatic thoughts, which creates emotions. And our uh, thoughts and emotions and our thoughts and even physiological response, they are all connected. So the first thing is to kind of exploring, as, as you mentioned, to kind of like, what are some of the uh, everyday thought that shows up for me around sex? And are they accurate or not? Are they serving me or not? So I think that's also very important to kind of even neutralize the ones that um, they're not serving you kind of thinking about, okay, maybe it's not accurate, but I'm, I cannot go to the place of sex positivity or sex positive thoughts immediately. Maybe I can go to yeah. the place of neutrality. And I think that can be a great place for people to start. Yeah, I, I love that because you're right. You know, especially if you've grown up your whole life with sex negativity, you can't just transfer all of a sudden to now you're, you know, you're super sex positive and super excited and all this stuff, you really have to go and, you know, learn or tell yourself that things are okay. And I think sex neutrality is very, you know, it's, it's a great place to start, right? As opposed to being negative, being neutral, and then slowly working your way once you learn about yourself. And, and you know, there, there are some people that will never enjoy sex, or that's just not an important part of their life. And that's, it's totally fine. And that's okay. And if that's something that they've communicated with their partner, and they're both fine with that, and it's just not, you know, something that's important to their relationship, then that's, that's okay. But for people that it is, you know, distressing, or is it causing a problem in their relationship, and they want to work on that, then I think that that's a great place to start is looking at your thoughts, and then seeing how they're serving you, and then giving yourself permission to learn more. And I think what you said about teaching yourself and that sex education and learning about your anatomy. And I love what you said about, you know, even something as simple as putting lotion on your body and seeing how that sensation, right, what type of sensation, what type of feeling is elicited in you as you're putting lotion on your own body. And I, you know, that reminded me of Sensate Focus, right? And I love Sensate Focus. And maybe you could talk a little bit because I feel like Sensate Focus is something that everyone could use. And especially for people that perhaps grew up in a very conservative culture or, you know, where they had grown up with those sex negative beliefs, I think Sensate Focus is a fantastic modality to help change that for them if that's something that they're looking for. 
Absolutely. I think that's one of the wonderful uh, strategies that many sex therapists, sex educators implement for hosts of different challenges that people have. Uh, for people that are not familiar with it, it's a three-phase approach that helps people to uh, get connected with their bodies and pleasures and kind of like exploring uh kind of sex uh, connection, physical connection a different way. So it's not um, sex focused. So that that's that's something to, it's important to keep in mind. Right. So the, uh, the idea is that you take turn for the first phase. You take turn exploring, touching, uh, kissing, massaging your partner's area that you can see with clothing on. And they get to choose the clothing they're wearing, right? That it could be a, a underwear or it could be a... a sweater. So we're kind of like focusing on taking turn touching our partner. And this is the key element that many people miss is that you're touching your partner for your own pleasure. So we call it taker's yeah. touch, right? Because sometimes mm -hmm. when we are in the midst of sexual activity, we're kind of constantly thinking, what would my partner like? But the focus is that kind of like getting curious about the temperature, texture, pressure. How does it feel like that to I touch my partner's hand, kissing the face and kind of getting curious about it? And I would say start with five to 10 minutes each partner, five minutes a great place to start. And then you switch with your partner. And um, it's it kind of like, it's really important to think about it's a form of mindfulness, right? Because sometimes people get disappointed. They think that, oh my God, I didn't feel aroused or I didn't experience an erection or arousal. That's completely okay. We're just getting curious. On the second phase is that you can do it without the clothing on, but you're not uh, focusing on genitals. So, uh, and just something else that's important for people to keep in mind that we're not talking right? We're not talking, but if something happened that we want our partner to not touch the area, we direct, redirect their hands. And that's the extent of the conversation during sexual act. And the third phase could be mutual uh, touching. So I, when I do this exercise with couples, there's just so many benefits they experience. First of all, it's excellent place to start if you haven't been connecting sensually. With your partner, right? It's, it's, it's no non-pressure, and it helps people to also focus on uh, what they like, and also train our mind to be present during sex. Because as you mentioned, that many people think sex is a chore, and we zone out, and we're thinking about okay, when it gets to the good part, I'll zone back in. But that just gets in the way of you really enjoying the uh, process and also building arousal. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, you know, you mentioned about Sensei Focus that there's no pressure. And that's what I love about Sensei Focus is that really sex is off the table. That's not what you're focused on. You're focused on really the sensations and the feelings that are elicited by touch. And you really are just getting used to the other person's body and what it feels like under your fingertips and really just allowing that. And to me, it seems very erotic because you're really just, you know, it's for your own benefit, for your own pleasure, you're just feeling, and then you're taking turns. So it's not just you, but it's your partner then who also gets a turn to just feel for the sake of feeling. And, you know, it's really no pressure. It's just, you're just enjoying it. And I think that that's what's so great about Sensei Focus, especially for people, like you said, that perhaps maybe haven't been intimate in a while or are just learning about each other. I think that's a very 
just really amazing place to start because it's very slow. There's no pressure. There's, there's no goal. It's really just your pleasure and the other person's pleasure. Absolutely. And I think the idea is that for people to know that uh, sexual arousal is a natural response of our body, right? Yes. When we're feeling relaxed, present, that's something that often many people can experience. But sometimes we are just so anxious in our body, we're not disconnected with our own body and our partner's body. And that's why it's just so challenging for us to experience desire. So kind of starting from the place of curiosity and uh, taking turn touching through sensate focus can be a wonderful place for people to kind of explore the uh, more sensual connection in the relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear a little bit more about other ways that, you know, people and patients can elicit more passion in their relationship. I know you talked about novelty a little bit. And, you know, I think when people think of novelty, they automatically go to like BDSM and like whips and chains and things like that. And that necessarily isn't really the case. So maybe you can tell us about some ways that people can start with novelty in their relationship, even if it's not whips and chains. <laughs> Great point, right? Because so many people think about, okay, this is something we don't want to engage in. Or if I open the door, God knows what my partner wants. Um, <laughs> But I think it's a great start to kind of in the sexy happy hours, there are lists of like sexy uh, novelty bucket lists. So I have one of them on my website and also there's so many yes, no, maybe lists that includes a range of different uh, activities that you can do. It could be just having sex somewhere else in the home or it could be experimenting with a different position or uh, kind of exper experimenting with different uh, temperatures. So what I recommend people to do is that to kind of like create, like answer the questions on, on their own to kind of thinking about what they're interested in, what is their yes and what are some of the maybes and exchange the list with the partner. See if there are any overlap. Mm -hmm. And many people decide to maybe incorporate it either once per season or for special occasion, if it's a Valentine, like anniversary, but at least you have a menu of options to see that uh, what could be interesting for uh, for the couples to incorporate. And I bet there's some novelty uh, overlap for people because if, the, if there's a galaxy of option out there, it's just a matter of experimenting with version 1.2 of what you're already doing. Because I think with novelty, sometimes we have this idea of uh, this is gonna, we're gonna experiment with this, something that we've seen, and you might get disappointed, but it's about the idea of uh, trying something new uh, together that that on its own can be erotically uh, 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 invigorating for people. Uh, the other thing that can be another way of indirect way of doing this is that I learned from one of the colleagues that she was saying that for people that going to either sex store or doing it on online and going through the website and think about it's kind of putting things on the uh, cart that you think that you feel could be interesting and without talking about it with your partner and then kind of like exchanging the cart together, kind of thinking about what did you put on the cart, what what didn't we put on the cart. So, and many of my clients, they get inspired to buy some of the items, uh, but it can be a very interesting reveal for couples. 
That is so fun. <laughs> I'm like just thinking about that. I'm like, wow, what a great idea. I never even thought of that, right? To kind of just go, right. And I think that, you know, by doing something like that online, you are, you know, for people that may be really hesitant or your partner may be like, there's no way <laughs> I'm going to like, you know, whatever, like a adult sex toy shop or something like that, um, you know, doing something online and then sharing it, I think is really a fantastic way to you know, start up that one, to start up that conversation Two, to even just see like, wow, you know, what is it that my partner is thinking or, you know, what are they thinking they may enjoy? What, what is it that they want, you know, and, um, and really that I think that happy hour can really be something that you do like, you know, at least once or twice a week. I mean, I think it's just, that sounds like just so much fun, right? And just, it really brings out the curiosity in your relationship. And I think that when we think about, um, you know, rekindling the spark in a relationship, obviously, you know, in our head, we may be thinking like, wow, it's going to be so much work and it's going to be so hard. And I don't know how to, where to start and forget it. This relationship is dead anyways, to begin with. But then when you think about these really simple things that you can do that would really elicit some type of anticipation and excitement in a relationship, I think that's what really starts up this rekindling the spark, right? I think that that is something that would really help a lot of people in relationships. I agree with you. And I think the key point that you mentioned is the playfulness and humor, right? That I think if you're mm -hmm. thinking about this needs to be looking a certain way, that can create pressure and performance pressure and all of the challenges that my people face. But if you're thinking about this is what something we do for fun, it's an adult playtime. It can be less pleasure, and we can it can on its own build uh, build excitement, and also could be a great practice to develop a language of sexual communication with our partner. Because I know many people that I work with, uh, even their parents never had the conversation about sex with them. They don't have it with the uh, with the friends, so it's hard to even talk about sex. So that could be a really good non-pressure way of discussing uh, sex and uh, pleasure. Yeah, and I think a lot of times the excitement comes up when you build up tension and um, playfulness and just the anticipation, right? It was something, something where you're thinking, and then that leads to spontaneity. And then that can lead to, you know, the spontaneous response or, or even responsive desire we know is really important in long-term relationships and typically is what happens. And if you're planning those date nights and you have these little happy hours and then, you know, you're sharing your little, um, what you found on the internet or what you're interested in, you know, even for people that are super shy, I think that that could at least open up the door for conversation, which I think it would be really important and they may actually enjoy it and have fun. So I think these are just such great ideas. Um, and as we start to wrap up, I'd love to know what your key pearls or anything that you think you know, from this conversation, if people got nothing from this conversation, which I don't think would ever be possible, but so let's say that people are like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't get anything from that conversation. What do you think would be the, let's say the three takeaways from this conversation for somebody that was listening and watching? Well, first thing is that knowing that you deserve sexual pleasure. You have your own brand of sexuality. It doesn't need to look like someone else's uh, sex life, but you get to have your own brand of pleasure. 
So I think that is really important. The second thing is that if you want to have good experiences in the partnership uh, around sex and sexuality, you have to invest on it. Like anything else, if you want to get at good at sport or uh, any other activity, unless we're practicing it and prioritizing it, we're not going to get there. So it's really important to have a conversation with your partner about the level of commitment that you guys have. It could be commitment, could be we're doing sexy happy hour once a month, right? As long as you're doing it, that that is really important. And the third thing is that kind of accepting our sexual self is evolving. Something that could have worked for us 10 years ago, right now it might not work psychologically, physiologically. So it's really important to get curious about our sexual evolution and have an open conversation with our partner about it. Yeah, I love that. You know, I was thinking as you were talking about the sexual evolution, I know that there is um, an author, Marty Klein, who talks about sexual intelligence and realizing that sex changes as we go through life. And that's not anything to, you know, feel sad about, but really something to embrace and to know that it's normal and that, you know, our, our desires will change, our likes and wants will change, you know, things that we're curious about will change. And this is all normal and it's great. And it, and it shows just what you're saying about our evolution and that, you know, we are, we are really just growing. And I think that that's really important um, to realize and that there's nothing wrong and that really exploration is the key. So yeah, that's fantastic. I love it. So how can people, you know, people are watching this and they're thinking, wow, Dr. Mwali is super awesome. And I would love to follow her and learn more about her and listen to all the podcasts that she has. How can they get in touch with you? Well, they can go to my website, sexologypodcast.com, or they can find me on Instagram at sexologypodcast. And um, uh, they can send me their question. I would be happy to answer questions in the podcast or on the YouTube channel. And yeah, that would be the best place of connecting with me. That's great. I wish you were in New York. I mean, there's just, <laughs> there's so many people that, uh, you know, we could refer each other to. But anyways, I think that um, this conversation was so enlightening and so helpful, I think, for for me, for sure. And I think for people that were listening. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate your time. And well, I am done here and it's been real and really intimate. I remember this is not meant to be any type of medical advice. So if you have any questions about your health, please speak with a healthcare provider. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. So thank you for listening to the podcast and make sure you leave us a review, share and like the podcast. And if you leave me a review, I'd love to shout you out on social media. So be sure that you share it with all your friends and thanks for listening. Thanks.